0: Alright, what's up guys? Ian Cummings here with the Rigos Rag Podcast, here with my usual co-hosts, Nathan Britt and Jacob Kamenker. uh Last week we touched on position battles. Uh, we went all across the roster, so if you want to check that out, just visit the website. There's stuff there. Today though, uh, we've got Zach Hicks, he's a safety guru, self-proclaimed safety guru. Uh, we won't say the same for him, nah, no, just kidding. He's great. And uh he's here with us today to talk safeties, Monte, DJ, prospects in the upcoming draft. Zach, how you doing?
1: I like the self-proclaimed safety guru because it <laughs> takes a lot of work to you know, you know, just kind of claim yourself as a safety guru than having other people actually kind of believe it.
2: So <laughs> I, I take full credit for the self-proclaimed safety guru, but
1: it's great to be on, guys. I love talking to y'all, especially on Twitter and stuff. So glad to be on.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you, Zach. And uh, Zach is—he's got Redskins content locked on Redskins. Uh, he's also a rumored Colts fan. So, but we'll get more into that later. <laughs> Let's get into the safety stuff first, Zach. I feel like it's natural to start with uh, the starters, Monte and DJ. Uh, now, before you start talking about Monte, I want to warn you, we do have a little bit of a time limit. So I, <laughs> he gets excited when he talks about Monte. So we're going to make sure that he doesn't go too far. But uh, there is a lot to talk about with Monte. He's uh, He showed a lot of promise last year based on his traits, based on what he does well, what he might need to improve, what he might need to prove this year. How do you see him performing in that free safety slot? Because I know he's transitioning into free safety. And how do you see him feeding off a DJ Swanger at strong safety? How do you see that duo kind of working out?
1: I think the duo is going to work great. I mean, DJ, we've, we kind of know what DJ is in the NFL. He's, he's a leader. He's a very solid safety. But Nicholson has the upside to be a star safety, to be a Pro Bowl safety, maybe even all pro safety. I'm not going to get that crazy. But, you know, he could be a Pro Bowl safety. I mean, he has the athleticism. He has the size, he has the hitting ability, the aggression. I'm telling you, once he kind of gets down the game where where like he knows what the offense is going to do before the play, when he starts, you know, knowing how to read uh, an offense, he's gonna be a star in this league. I mean health, health, you know, if he can stay healthy and you and he can kind of learn that pre-snap bit of defense, I'm telling you, this guy can be a star. I and mean, we already saw it last year. Bleacher report, I think, had him as the seventh overall safety in the NFL that they graded. And, I, you know, I'm high on him, but I didn't think that. I mean, I didn't watch every safety, but that's crazy. I mean, he, he has all the showings to be a great young safety, and he just needs playing time and more exp- exposure out there. And, I mean, this guy's a limit with this guy. I said it during draft time. He was a top 100 player for me. I, I really think this guy can be a star safety in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Bleacher Report article that had him seventh because – It's good to know that someone else in kind of that esteemed position thinks highly of Monte because I know he's flying under the radar and a lot of Redskins fans don't really appreciate it just because, you know, he got injured. Uh, You know, people are calling him Jordan Reed 2.0 or something, Jordan Reed on defense. I mean, I think he's more like Jordan Reed in the sense that he can really have game-changing potential. I mean, and we heard uh, earlier in the week, I think last week, that he's making audibles in uh, off-season practices now. He's learning more of the why of the game. He he knows the how, but the why. Uh, You look at his traits now, Zach. What is his potential if he can combine the NFL IQ? Because it takes every player— a while to kind of gain, to kind of get with the speed of the NFL. What if he can combine that IQ that all the best safeties have with the traits that he already has? The sky's the limit, but just go, go a little more in depth with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw last year, he played at a really high level. Uh, I mean, he does have some things to improve upon, obviously staying healthy, taking better angles to the ball. But again, I really do think this guy can be a Pro Bowl caliber safety. I'm not calling him Sean Taylor 2.0 like some people were last year and and stuff like that. But I mean, we haven't seen a player with his size, speed, and you know, hitting aggression on this team in so long, especially that safety position. He, he can lock it down for 10 plus years. It's just he's got to stay healthy and he's got to develop a little bit of his game. I really think this guy can be a Pro Bowl caliber mm-hmm. safety. And also to kind of piggyback on, on the Bleach Report thing, you know that uh, like higher-end guys are kind of taking notice of him. Uh, Jonah Tools tweet out today, and if you guys don't know who Jonah Tools is. Basically, for all of us, like safety and cornerback guys, the two guys that we all look up to are Jonah Tools and Matt Bowen. So, when Jonah Tools today said that Monte Nicholson is the best free safety in the NFC East, that holds a lot of water, I think. So, I, I really do think the sky's a limit for Monte. I, other guys are noticing it now, too. And I, I really think he can be a Pro Bowl safety for many years. Just got to develop a little bit of his game and, and stay healthy.
3: Yeah. And, Zach, this is Jacob here. Um... I, I think I totally agree with you. I think we're really set at the two starting safety positions. I think Monte has the upside to be that truly elite-level starter for the team. Now, I want to talk a little more about backups here, uh, because the past like few years, the Redskins have been keeping about four safeties. It seems that Nicholson and Swearinger are obviously locked in, and Apke by virtue of being a fourth-round pick, is probably also locked in. Uh, that leads to an interesting battle for the final slot between DeShazer Everett, Quinn Blanding, Fish Smithson, and even the CFL signee, Kenny Ladler. So I'm wondering if you could provide some insight on those guys and which one you think might be the best fit for the team.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'll just kind of go a little bit down them just from what I know on them. Uh, Fish is my favorite player ever because of his name. (laughs) But, I mean, he's not the best athlete, and he doesn't really provide too much for special teams. I think he's a decent free safety, and I think he does have that over kind of the other guys that are – for that spot, I don't think Everett showed much as a free safety last year. I don't think Apke is much of a free safety, even though he has great athleticism. He could develop into a free safety. And uh, Quinn Blanding is not had the athlete like Quinn Blanding is not a good athlete at all. So I don't think he could be a free safety either. So I do think Fish has that one up, and he's also been with the team for a year. So I do like Fish, but I think Everett's probably the like likely candidate to get that four spot, mainly because his versatility. You know, he can play corner. He can play nickel corner. He can play both safety spots. He can play special teams. He's been on the team for three or four years now. I mean, I, I really think that's going to be his spot to lose. But Quinn Blanding, too. I mean, he, he's a local guy. Uh, coaches obviously love him. They're raving about him. They went out and got him right when he was a UDFA. So I think he could make a spot. I mean, he's, he's got great run defense. He knows how to run field. He could be a special teamer. So I like him. And I don't know much about the CFO guy. Uh, I honestly do not know much about him. Um, maybe he makes some splash plays in camp and he can get on the practice squad or something. But if it was up to me, if I had to rank them, Everett's definitely number one. Then I think Fish has a little ways to go to catch him. And then uh, Quinn Blanding will probably be the third. And I think he's a likely practice
3: squad guy. I agree with you on um, Quinn Blanding. I like him. I just love his tackling ability. I think he might end up being like a safety linebacker hybrid in the NFL. But the athleticism is the one issue. But if he shows good instincts, I think he could make it. Yeah, I completely
1: agree. I mean, he's not a bad player by any means. And I know that kind of sounded like a little rough saying the guy does not have like much athleticism because athleticism is so big in the nfl but i mean when you see him a lot around the line of scrimmage i mean he had like 400 tackles in college not many safeties can say that and it's not like he played in like the big 10 where everybody runs every single play so he he's a playmaker i mean he made a lot of plays he he's a high iq guy too i mean he had a lot of picks for a guy who's not that athletic it's just if he can overcome that and he can play to his max potential i mean he could probably make this roster i just give the edge to everett
0: Yeah, real quick, what's on my mind? I mean, you mentioned Apke, and he's got the speed, one would think, to play the free safety position, but you you said he's got a long way to go. And, you know, people after the draft, people are trying to hype up that pick, you know, because he's a fourth rounder like Monte was last year, (laughs) comparing him to Monte. uh, Sober up the fans a little bit. What's the differences between Apke and what Monte was as a prospect last year? And, you know, what are the barriers that might hold Apke back at this point?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, Monte was... Monte was a three-year starter, and he showed flashes of being like a stud safety at Michigan State because he he showed great flashes where I think where you could say he was a top, you know, like a first-round maybe type guy because of his speed, size, athleticism, and he showed flashes of reading the field well and making rangy plays. Apke is just – he's so raw, and I thought Nicholson was raw last year. Apke is way more raw. He's a super athlete. He tested off the charts, but, I mean, his run angles are really rough right now especially plays on the edge. He just, he relies so much on his speed and he was missing plays in college, right? Imagine taking poor angles against NFL type athletes. I mean, that, that's not going to work in the NFL. I don't think he has a natural feel in deep coverage right now, where I saw a lot with Nicholson. Nicholson had a natural feel. He knew how to uh, kind of click and close in those deep uh, like fields, like deep quarters of the field. So I think Nicholson was way more advanced there. And overall I just think I just think Apke is a special team guy right now. And I don't think he can't develop into a starter because again he has the athletic traits. It's just I don't see I don't really see much out of Apke right now that makes me believe he could be a starter. Where Nicholson, you saw bunches of flashes in college where it's like, okay,
2: this guy's a stud. He he can do it in the NFL. Apke just has a long way to go. Yeah, Zach. So I know um they're talking about the saves. I wanna talk about the corner position. We know Josh Norman's a starter. He's under contract. He's the big acquisition from a few years ago. But now that Brashad Brilliant's gone, it's down to Fabian Moreau, the middle, mid-round pick from last year, and Quentin Dunbar, the converted wide receiver. All signs right now point to Quentin Dunbar being the guy week one. But I want to know where you stand on that, if that's the right call. Do you think Fabian is going to breathe in down his neck? And talk to me about that slot corner spot, because with, with Kendall Fuller being gone for the Alex Smith trade, Does Fabian or Dunbar fall into that? Do they look to Greg Stroman, Orlando Scandrick, have that locked up? What do you think? Yeah, great question. I
1: I love talking about this corner group because I think I'm higher on it than most people are. I really like Dunbar as a cornerback too. I think we've seen him develop for enough time now. It's been three or four years that he's been trying to develop as that starting corner. And last year we saw glimpses of him being like, okay, he's better than Breland and we don't have to pay him as much. So I think that was a really easy call for the Skins to not bring back Breland. And I actually was really happy when they kind of already come out and been like, okay, is our cornerback too. So I'm really excited for Dunbar at cornerback too. The slot position is going to be a big battle. I, I really like Moreau. I kind of want to see him there, at least trying to compete in the slot. Because, I mean, he's like a former soccer player, six foot, 200, 4'3 speed. I want to see what he can do in the slot. Because he, he's a very physical player too. We saw him as a punt gunner last year, how physical he can be. So I do kind of want to see what he can do in the slot. Uh, if, if it's not his best role, he can be... The you know the the third outside corner, and then it kind of comes down, in my opinion, to Skandrick versus Holsey. People are not talking about Holsey enough. This guy is a competitor. He's athletic. I mean, he's a scrappy little dude. He locked up uh, Mike Williams, I think his name. Yeah, Mike Williams from Clemson, who was a first round pick, a top ten pick even. He locked him up in that game against Auburn, uh, against uh, Clemson, uh, his last year at college. So I really like Josh Holsey. I really think he can be a good slot corner, and, and you know, in his glimpses last year, he he showed he can be a player. So I like Holsey there. Skandrick's not a bad option. You know, if you want to go with the safe, you know, he's not going to give up a lot of big plays. He's not going to, you know, mess up quite a bit. Yeah, go with Skandrick. But I, I want
2: to see Holsey and Moreau kind of compete there for slot. Definitely sounds good. Now, <clears throat> I know you uh I saw you tweet this probably a little over a month ago. Um, I want to get your opinion. I think as well as I believe you think that this is Josh Norman's last year on the team, what you're getting from him at this point in time. Compared to what that contract is on the team on their cap, that that seems like too much to keep him. What do you what do you think? Do you agree with that? Do you think we see more of a regression? Does he get back to form? And do you think that if he does come out have another stellar year, that they they take that heavy cap number and keep him on the squad? Do you think they look to go younger with either Dunbar or Fabian Moreau, whichever one excels at the number two spot, going to number one?
1: it's a hard dilemma i mean hopefully you hope he has a stud like just an outstanding year so you have a good dilemma on your hands like hey we we can keep this star corner or we can save some money so i really hope he has a great year so we have a tough decision instead of a really easy one i just don't see it happening we've seen him kind of regress over time with us and he's not he hasn't gone from like a good corner to a bad corner or an average corner to a bad corner he's gone from you know an all pro corner to you know a good solid corner so he's still a good solid corner it's just I think he's slated to make like 20, 21 million dollars next year, and he's, you know, he's he's pushing. I think he's a little past 30 now. It it's just not, you know, money well spent at that point, especially you know if you believe in Dunbar, if you believe in Fabian Moreau, if you're going to spend high draft capital on a corner. I mean, they have like what 14 picks it feels like next year, 30 picks, I don't know, like 100 picks, I don't know, <laughs> but they can they can spend you know a good amount of those on corners. They can spend a high a high pick on a corner and address other needs later in the draft with all those picks. So I just, it just doesn't make sense for me uh, to kind of keep that big contract with an aging player unless he comes out and has a superstar year. I just don't see that happening from Norman. I like Norman. I think he's a good player in the locker room. It's just, I, I just don't see it happening this year.
0: Yeah. And you brought up, you kind of brought up uh something that ties into that earlier. I mean, you're high on this cornerback uh, group. I happen to be high on it too. Like I really like Quentin Dunbar. I think he'll shine if given a true starter's chances here. And I feel like if they're tasked with the with the choice of either picking Norman keeping him with that cap number or Dunbar they re-signed him this year they extended him who's an ascending corner still transitioning from wide receiver he's got the traits to be a really good corner I mean they could roll with Dunbar and Moreau as the top two guys next year or they could you know get someone else but what would what would that look like having such a young duo after uh after having Josh Norman. And so I feel like Orlando Skandrick's presence might help in that regard too with such a young group, you know, uh, having a seasoned veteran. So uh, just kind of take me through what we might be looking at next year and how the guys in place now would kind of impact that.
1: Well, in this kind of like scenario, if we envision Josh Norman not being here next year, you got to hope for a big step out of row this year. I'm not saying he's going to have to start this year, but definitely get some good playing time out of row because you got to see what you have before making a big decision like that. Unless you're going to spend high draft capital on a corner. Now, there's a lot of really good corners in this, in this next draft class. I know that's not what I'm really on here to talk about, but like Greedy Williams, uh, there's Baker out of Georgia. There's some really good corners in this next class. So if the cap, if the that's caps on my mind right now, if the Redskins if the Redskins want to spend high draft capital on a corner, they can go that route too. But if they want to keep the guys that they have in house, which I'm really high on, I don't think it's a bad group to have Dunbar on one side. Moreau, you know judging if he takes like that next step or not Moreau on the other side and then a guy like Holsey or Stroman maybe or Skandrick in the slot, I don't think that's a bad group and you get to save you know 20, 15, 20 million dollars in the process. I think that's worth it. you know keep a guy like Preston Smith for instance or or Jameson Crowder and Brandon Sheriff. keep all those guys at the expense of Norman and still have a solid cornerback group. I'm okay with that. We just gotta hope that Moreau has a big step this year and I think he will. I mean he was a first round guy for me when I was grading him. He fell to a third because of that injury. I really think he's going to have a big year this year. So I'm really I'm really excited for him. I think that uh, that that could be a good future pairing right there, Dunbar and Moreau.
3: Yeah, and uh, Zach, can I just touch one more question on uh, Josh Norman? Last year, he dealt with a pretty bad broken rib and lung injury. Do you think that in any way impacted him after that? Because I thought for the first month of the season, he looked really good. And then sort of after that injury, you had to be a bit more tentative. you think if he's fully healthy he may not regress as much as we're anticipating perhaps
1: I mean it's it's really hard to grade this team from last year because the first month of the season the defense looked great but then everybody got hurt it's not just Norman it's it's every single player got hurt so maybe in the second half of the year he was still dealing with injuries or maybe in the second half of the year you know he was getting exposed more because the defensive line wasn't getting great pressure because Ionitis was out and Allen was out and all these dudes were out so I mean there's so many factors in there it's just at the end of the day, even if he is, say, he even comes out and plays like a superstar this year, it's still hard to justify paying a 30-something-year-old corner at 20, 20, 21 million dollars a year. You know, when you have other guys that you have faith in, and a positional coach that has shown to work magic, you know, these past year or so that we've had him. So, it's going to be hard to justify keeping him regardless, unless he has a super superstar year and he's like a guy you can't get rid of. But, I mean, I do think the injury probably played a part to that. I mean, I've never played a sport with a broken rib or or puncture
2: lungs or whatever, but I'm sure that hurts like crap. Zach you, uh, Zach, you bring up uh, Toyin Gray there briefly. It's funny you bring him up because I want to ask you about the supplemental draft. As we know, Adonis Alexander is entering the draft. He's got links to Toyin Gray going back to Virginia Tech. Um, we know Sam Beal from Michi- Western Michigan is about to head into the draft. Also, I'm seeing Mississippi State uh, safety Brandon Bryant. Talk to me about those guys if you see the Redskins' If they should, I know you think the Colts would, you you were talking earlier, you think the Colts should make a move for Alexander. Do you think the Redskins should look into giving up anything for those guys? And if so, what would you give? Yeah, so I'll
1: go through a couple of the guys. I've actually watched them a little sparingly. Alexander I've watched for a couple of years now because I'm a big Hokie fan. But Alexander, I don't like him as much as other people do. I didn't think he was the best corner on the team last year. I thought it was by far and away Greg Strowman, And I think even Faison looked better at times than Alexander. Alexander was a really good safety prospect like two years ago Uh, before he had like all the off field problems and, and all this other stuff like two or two or three years ago when he first, I think he was like a freshman or a sophomore, man, he was a good uh, safety prospect back there and he looked really good, really rangy, really fluid. And then they moved him to corner and he had that great length and he has that, uh, you know, size that everyone's looking for. And he's just not the same player at corner. So I'm not super high on him. And then the off off field stuff is just not great. I mean, the stuff that I've heard, it's, You know, coaches think he's just lazy and he just doesn't care. Uh, They think he's knuckleheaded, I think it's what uh, a direct quote was once from one of the coaching staff. Uh, He got, I think he got kicked out for just skipping classes and just not showing up. He skipped uh, practices because he didn't feel like going. Uh, He got arrested for marijuana, I think, his freshman or sophomore year. So he has a lot of issues. I'm not super high on spending anything on him as the Redskins because I like the corner group. I kind of like the safety group. Maybe like a sixth or seventh, you know, I'd, I'd throw it in there if Torian Gray and, and Greg Stroman and Tim Settler giving me like the a okay. Then I'll throw something at him. Uh, Beal's I like Beal. He he's really good. So I'd probably throw a third or fourth at him just because we have so many picks. I we have so many picks, you know. And it's if you if you view this guy as a first or a second round talent, and you can get him for a third or fifth in the third or fourth in the supplemental draft with you know all the picks that you have, I would I would consider doing it. I'd prefer a third on Beal over a fifth or a sixth and Alexander for sure. Then uh, the safety kid from um, from Mississippi State, he's super athletic. Uh, four, I think he ran a 4-2 or something like that, allegedly. He's really good. It's just, um, again, the off-field stuff, all the supplemental draft stuff, uh, it, it's hard to take a safety, too, when you just spent uh, high draft capital on uh, Apgay and Nicholson. So we'll see if they even go for that at all. But, but mm-hmm. Beal's a guy I consider. I think he, he's a legit player. Uh, I, I just don't think I'd consider Alexander or the Mississippi State kid.
2: So if you feel that high on Beal, talk to us a little bit about him, what he's about, what he brings, and do you think, if, let's say they pull the trigger, third, fourth round, whatever, do you think he comes in and competes right away for that second spot, just talent-wise, or do you think you know they groom him for a year and he takes that second spot next year, or, or even Norman's spot, should they get rid of him, do you think he's going to play second fiddle to Dunbar and Moreau for, for a few years, what, what do you think on him? Yeah, I mean, if you're spending a third or fourth on the guy, he's he's probably making the team. I mean, we've kind of seen that,
1: you know, with most teams, not many teams cut third or fourth round picks. So if you're spending third, fourth, or fifth, wherever he goes, I, I've heard that he's projected that someone's going to spend like second or third on him, is what I've heard from from guys I talk to. So we'll, we'll see where he goes, but yeah, he, he's got good size, 6'1", 195, I believe. So good size, he he breaks up a lot of passes, man. He's just always always around the ball, and it's something that you kind of love watching corners. Uh, so he's always around the ball, makes some plays in the run game, too. I, I really like him. So I, I don't know if I would start him over a guy like Dunbar at cornerback, two or a guy like Moreau. And also you have to work through the, you know, the academic issues for him having to go in the supplemental draft. But as a guy, you can take a flyer on and you can kind of stash him on your roster when you have a thousand picks next year with all the compensatory picks. I like Beal. So uh, I would definitely uh, consider that one for sure.
0: All right, so we've touched on the supplemental draft this year. Now, Zach, I want you to kind of juxtapose the supplemental draft this year and the NFL draft next year. Uh, If you had to pick, because I don't know how much you've looked into safeties and cornerbacks next year, but uh, if you had to pick, would you spend a pick in the supplemental draft this year or say wait it out, see what happens this year with the group we have and then decide what we should spend next year? What, What would you do right now?
1: Uh, I mean, it all depends. Again, I, I think I would probably drop – like I would just throw a fourth out there for Beal. I don't think a fourth is going to get Beal, but I'm interested enough where I'd be like, okay, I'll throw a fourth. If I can land him for a fourth, I'm cool with that. Uh, I do like the cornerback group a lot next year. Uh, I haven't gone too deep into it, but again, Baker and Greedy Williams look like they're going to be just superstars at corner. So, again, if the Redskins really want to draft address uh, corner in the draft next year, they can do it in the first round, especially if, you know if they have a poor record, which I don't think they will. But – if they do, you know, there's some superstars. Uh, I, I've actually dug really deep on the safety class. If there's a need for safety, which I don't know how big a need will be unless Monte, like, really gets injured and FK really doesn't show anything this year. I've looked into the safety class. It, it's pretty solid. There's no Minka or uh, Derwin type in this next nice class, but uh, the safety class is really deep. So I do like the safety class. So, I mean, besides maybe a fourth reveal, that's probably the only thing I consider in this draft, and I don't even think that would get him. So I guess I would – more likely wait for next year's draft class
0: okay i got you so we've we've gone over a little bit of everything now i'm gonna put you on the spot zach uh that's what we brought you here for uh i'm gonna i'm gonna list off the entire redskins secondary as it stands right now just and then once once I'm done, just, just give me a number. In in regards to the 32 secondaries in the league, where you what range you think ours can fall into at the end of the season. Ooh. Josh Norman. We got Josh Norman as the number one guy, the dark knight. We got Quentin Dunbar over here, former undrafted free agent, the classic underdog story. Monte Nicholson, everyone's favorite player. Uh, all-star talent, might be the best player ever to play in the NFL. And then opposite <laughs> from him, we got DJ Swearinger. We got Jungle Boy Swag. That's a pretty good unit. Uh, a lot of potential there. Best case scenario, give me best case scenario and worst case scenario, where they might end up at the end of the season.
1: So I would say best case scenario, they can be a top 10 unit, especially if a guy like Holsey, for instance, can lock down that slot. I mean, you have potential for a top 10 unit. If Dunbar can replace Breland's uh, like production, or even exceed that. If Norman can get back to where he was beginning of last year, and Nicholson can stay healthy, yeah, they can definitely be a top 10 unit. I'm, I'm fully confident in them being a top 10 unit, especially again with with the nickel corner. If Holsey can make the big jump that Fuller made the year before with Torian Gray, I'm really confident in that being a top 10 unit. Now, I also think the the floor is pretty low because you know if Nicholson's injured, if Dunbar shows some learning, you know, pro, like uh, shows that he's not ready to be a starter, if Norman, you know, the injury problems or the regression shows up. I really think they can be pretty bad, so I think they can be, um, you know, a bottom ten unit as well. So it, it's a big, it's a big kind of like uh, area there for them because it's just so much, like so much is relying on them being healthy and kind of taking that next step because there's so many young guys. But I think they can do it. I, I, I realistically see them kind of being like a top fifteen unit uh probably around like 12 13 range I really want to see at least one guy emerge as a big playmaker this year I think that's what they kind of lacked last year except for a little bit with DJ in there uh but I, I think they can be a top 15 unit for sure that's kind of where I would project them at this moment
0: yeah it's good to hear good to hear because we had a lot of uncertainty there last year and you know yeah. over the years with guys like Dante Whitner, uh Deshaun Goldson you know we, we could use a change for the better in that area so it's good to know that that change might be on the horizon Zach You gave us more than we bargained for today. It was awesome having you. Guys, if you haven't followed Zach on Twitter already, you're doing yourself a disservice. Go follow this guy. He's great with safeties. great with just overall draft stuff. He's really good talent coming in, and he's got a big opportunity coming up. Zach, you want to tell the uh, listeners a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so you guys all know me for uh, all my Redskins knowledge and locked on Redskins and draft stuff. But I've actually accepted a position over at Stampede Blue at SB Nation, uh, so it's a pretty great opportunity. I've actually talked to a lot of those guys for a while, and it's kind of pretty funny because you know I'm an alleged Colts fan, but now I guess I, I have to cover the Colts, and I have to be uh, a legit Colts fan. But I'm really excited to, get to step on over there at Sta- uh, Stampede Blue. Again, it's just a great site. I love SB Nation. I've been uh, kind of dreaming about writing for them for a long time, so um, I'm really pumped about the opportunity. I kind of wish it was Haven. I do love Hogshaven as well, but... Uh, you know, Stampede Blue is a great, is just a great place too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and dude, it's fully deserved. Uh, and good luck at Stampy Blue, and we're rooting for you. But uh, as long as the Colts aren't playing the Redskins, then we're not. But uh, week two. Other, otherwise, well, we're week, good.
1: Yeah, week two, week two. I will secretly be rooting for the Redskins in
0: that game. I'm not <laughs> that It's gonna be hard. Season. It's gonna be hard to write like, that week, I imagine.
1: Yeah, I'll be like, uh, you know, shaking as I'm writing that the. Colts. <laughs> <have been. laughs> hopefully hopefully brissett is starting so colts fans like are rooting against the team as well and i'm also rooting against the team so uh, <laughs> you know all all like good right there but you know I, I will always be a redskins fan redskins are always my team i'm just gonna cover the colts and i again i like the colts they're my second team but no one will ever beat the redskins for me
0: no one Definitely, will
1: ever beat exact.
2: do you think andrew luck throws a pass this year i mean he's gone what uh how old is he, 24? He's gone 23 years of his life without throwing a pass, according to Twitter. Does he finally <laughs> pick up the football and throw him this year, or what do you think? Well, let me uh, correct the Twitter,
1: the 522 days. It's been like 200 days since he's thrown a football, because he threw it um, in practice and off-season camps last year. He's thrown a football like 200 days ago, guys. He's not. It's not been 522 days since he's even picked up a football. But I, I'm willing to bet you guys – Drinks will be on me, one round on me, if he plays oh. less than twelve <laughs> games this year. If he plays less than twelve wow. games, uh, drinks will be on me. I'm very confident Andrew Luck coming back this year.
0: I've I have a confession we'll hold you to make.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> drinks, on me, drinks
0: on my boys. I have a confession to make. I thought amidst all the Twitter hype that the Colts signed Andrew Luck as a former tennis player. You know his forehand. You know maybe they thought, oh, he can be a good quarterback. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, with all the Twitter stuff, you you think that he hasn't thrown in a while, but. Hopefully he comes back cuz he's a talented player but not in week 2. Week two's off limits for sure.
1: Yeah, I think he'll be on the PUP list out for like 3 or 4 weeks and then I think he'll he'll start the rest of the season.
2: All right. Yeah, the NFL's a better place with luck playing so hopefully he comes back man. I hate to see talent like that young careers getting ruined. I'm hoping he comes back too. You know how boring it's going to be right about the Colts to a <laughs>
1: starter
2: again. I mean, gosh.
1: <laughs> you love it. <laughs> Yeah. I do, I do. I mean, either way, you can write about how bad the team is or how good the team is. It's it's fun either way. It's football. I mean, at the end of the day, you're covering football. So, I mean, you guys are doing this podcast over the Redskins. If they win no games this year, they win all their games this year. Either way, you're going to have something to talk about. You maybe not enjoy it as much if they lose every game, but you could talk about the draft earlier. So it's always fun.
0: Yeah, it's football. It's always fun, no matter whether you're writing about it or talking about it. Uh, but it looks like we're done talking about it, guys. We touched on a little bit of everything. Make sure make sure you follow Zach. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Really great follow for all things Redskins, Draft, and Colts if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, but for all of us here at the Riggles Rag podcast, we're done here. Uh, thanks for listening. Be sure to check our website for all the latest content. It's a bit slower in June, but we'll be churning out new stuff every day, so check that out. And as always, guys, have a good night.